0: Hi, I'm Russ Camarda, an independent filmmaker and actor in New York and in between the chances I get to do my creative projects, I love to sit down and talk with other artists to see how it is they do what they do, how they take art and use their craft to reveal truth to an audience. So, in this series of conversations, you'll meet some people you may recognize, some people you won't recognize, but they're all independent artists and we'll get in-depth in a long-form conversation to see how it is they do what they do. Welcome to Art Craft Truth. This time on Art Craft Truth we once again go behind the scenes of show business to see the world of casting. For over 25 years in New York City, Judy Bowman has been a casting director for theater, film and television, and she shows us how casting directors are really a part of the design team and the production process of any particular project in any of those mediums. So I hope you enjoy this Judy Bowman. So how are you doing? Nice to meet you.
1: I don't have my casting uniform on.
0: <laughs> What's your casting uniform?
1: Like usually like a blazer and a t shirt.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, this is the this is pandemic version. This okay. Is, yeah. This is my this is my pandemic uh, Yeah, effort. you
1: look very relaxed. Yeah, it's fine is, if everybody else looks this cash. Is, yeah, but... this
0: is like super casual. So welcome aboard, Judy. Thanks for Thank coming you. on. Uh, all right. So you come to me. To, first of all, this is this is fun for me because I think I've talked to more casting directors uh, on this than I do as an actor. So <laughs> I never, you know, I don't think I've talked to this in depth with a casting director uh, in my entire career uh, uh, as an actor or filmmaker. So this is actually fun. I get to see all this stuff uh, yeah. on the other side of the table. And you come to me from uh, Brett Goldstein and uh, Liz Ortiz was also uh, from there. So you yeah. guys are—is it—is it like? Because um, I asked this of uh, of Liz, and she was like, "Nah." But is it is there like like uh, do you guys all know each other and kind of mix and match and like, you know, share a file or two
1: or how does that work? Yeah, you know, um, I think we when we spoke initially, um, it used to be that nobody really spoke to each other, Mm -hmm. Um, although people had their friends and favorites. um, And I suppose people like referred work to each other. Who knew each other. Um, But I feel like it was pretty separate, especially with gender and, you know, if you were gay or straight. Interesting. I feel like um, gay men supported each other (laughs) and gay women uh, knew who each other was. Um, But uh, casting directors, when I was coming up, were very... Uh, tight-lipped secretive competitive hmm. and you know didn't share with each other what they were working on who they were talking to what they were charging why,
0: why uh um, well I can see the charging part but what is the um what am I missing what's the what's the part that needed to be competitive like poaching people's casts or like well like what's... I
1: think it's ownership and I think it's clients I think uh-huh. um you know if you can say oh John Jones has been casting for this theater or with th- this producer and you know i guess potentially you could find a way to meet with that producer and find out if they're happy or not
0: uh.
1: um like anything i mean there was just a certain amount of competitiveness um or i think you know at times bad blood where um someone maybe cast an early production of a show and then uh the production moved and those producers hired a new casting director and maybe that new casting director wasn't as, um, hmm. gracious or responsible, didn't reach out to the original casting person or perhaps took credit for, you. for things they didn't do. Gotcha. Um, so there are sometimes where's, you the, know, where's seen...
0: the, where's the places where you crisscross, like, like, um, I'll see often there's a, there's the New York casting, the LA casting and, and, Like, do you guys communicate that way too? Like, Some of
1: those are fun. And if you can, um, it is fun when when you can work together. And uh, so sometimes, let's say I'm doing a project and I'm based out of the New York area and I need to do some casting in California, I can call a casting director out there Mm. and say, can you do this session for me? Can you run this session for me? And if you have any ideas, feel free to add them mm. and we can either work together or some of us are really happy to help out another casting director. like for example, uh, there are some bigger casting directors in LA who often use a New York office and
2: okay.
1: we're very clear that that LA casting office, that it's their project but um, and we often get paid by the by the studio right. So um, we're hired to be of assistance to that L.A. casting director. And usually that L.A. casting director is really happy to give us some credit or, um, you know, they acknowledge who cast what.
0: Do you find um, sort of interesting takes on things that when when you're working in that way that you wouldn't think? came from, like, that wouldn't come from your particular casting eye? Like, do you find, oh, that's, I wouldn't have thought of that. Or do you see that stuff every now and then?
1: Yeah. I find that the two coasts, the two coasts are pretty different in aesthetic, in the way we work (laughs) and the kinds of actors we have around. Right, right. Um, The the stereotype is that New York actors, um, their positives are work ethic, intelligence, sense of humor, (laughs) and training, like real skills. That's
0: about right.
2: (laughs) And the
1: L.A. stereotype is that it's a lot about how you look and Mm. who you know Mm. and charisma and getting in on the ground floor of those casting offices that often are um, relegated to bring in the familiar 50 people that they see for everything at often a very high level Um, and so there are times that are interesting to me to answer your question where um, a well-known casting director well liked calls one of us and says hey i'm casting this amazing movie and they want to see more people and they want to see them out of new york right and that way we can have those conversations and say okay What's behind this? Right, right. Because we know you've done your job. Right. What are What's missing? How right. can I help? Or like I remember in the mid '90s, um, doing some work for a studio, and I was part of the New York office casting a, a series of television shows, and they had had a a very you know prestigious LA casting office working on it, and I remember them calling and saying, basically, it's hunks and babes.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: And then I said, so what's the problem? You're in L.A. Like, well, I don't understand. And they would say, well, they want this edge, perhaps, that we think maybe New York has.
0: They have to complete speak in complete sentences and whatnot.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, um, you don't want to inherit someone else's problem. Right. right. And if it's if it seems obvious to you, and they're not finding it, what exactly is missing? Right, right, And that way we can just cut to the chase and I can say, okay, I'm gonna do basically what you did, but like keep that aesthetic going, but maybe have people who have a really sharp wit, right. or are maybe a little bit intimidating, right, um, or right. have what that New York edge that you're looking for, right. that more urban quality, right. meaning more from the city, sure. more grit, more, um, yeah, you know, don't mess with me yeah, when and, I walk down the street kind and of attitude. A little,
0: little gravitas that we carry over yeah. here, you know, yeah, absolutely. More
1: so, indie, perhaps. Yeah,
0: exactly. So, yeah. I that's interesting. I want to, I'm, I'm gonna jump around the timeline quite a bit here as I do. Um, so I want to get back to how you got into it and all that. And we're, we're gonna circle back to that, but when I hear things, I want to jump on them a little bit. So, uh, I love do you have terms like that that you? that you guys like sort of casting terms, like um, I'm looking for hunks and babes. I'm looking for grit. I'm like, like, like that where, you know, right off the bat, I know what, I know what drawer, what file cabinet I'm going in. Like, are there terms?
1: Yeah. These terms certainly are mostly pretty offensive. (laughs) That's the way it's um, archetypical or stereotypical. And so a lot of them come from the commercial industry Mm. where they just need labels to slap on types of people. Like, girl next door, right. the best buddy, right? Right. second banana, you know, <laughs> nerd, you right. know, very like catch all generic right. phrases. Right. And some of those terms, um, are now, you know, need to be thrown away because they have perhaps a double meaning that, right. um, you know, like the term urban, um, Absolutely. for us in the business, as long as I've been in urban for us always meant the city. Mm. Like an urban environment is a city environment, right? whereas suburban right. was a, a big town in like Westchester, Connecticut, <laughs> right. New Jersey, right. certain kinds of houses. Mm-hmm. And then there's rural, right. which is country or farmland or small town. Right. Small town is also another description we right. can use. But um, I know in the music industry, urban music or the urban department uh, became a place where... African-American artists would thrive and they would call them the urban department. Right. And so, um, I think I used the term urban to describe a place or a kind of a person, uh, using some sides in a university teaching setting. Mm. And an African-American actor said, what do you mean by urban? And I said, I mean the city, I mean, Chicago, New York, LA, um, Mm. you know, down and dirty, lots of people lots of cars it's fast more fast talking yeah. fast paced way of life and so um i think a lot of these terms need to be yeah. swapped out or defined so that um you're not having uh you know, people with limited experience in the world right. uh, using them, throwing them around to describe things.
0: Right, right. So
1: um, I, I think it's getting more interesting in that.
0: Have you seen uh, that? Where, have you seen that pace accelerate on that kind of on that? St- where, where? Yeah. every day I mean, there's it's like...
1: some great. There are also some great organizations that um, look at breakdowns and make fun of them, hmm. and post them and talk about why they're. Right. small-minded and insensitive and not really helpful creatively.
2: Right, yeah.
1: Uh, you know, there are times where I've worked on projects where uh, a, a writer or director or producer would send me a character description and all the roles would say Caucasian or white. Mm. And I would say, do you really want this? Is this really necessary? Like, why do these all say white? And they say, oh, we just put that. We don't... Wow. That was like the default.
0: Yeah, it's just...
1: Um, and so, you know, so many things are changing yeah. for the better Absolutely. right now. Um, and we're not just taking a lot of things for granted. So, um, these are, you know, these yeah. descriptions can be useful. Right. In, and I, and um,
0: I would think they, they help your process. Common ground. Yeah. They just give you, they give you a base to start with. It's like, okay, I, I see where this guy's coming from, where this girl's coming from with, with this. But at that point, that's when you put your, your talent. Uh, to it which is I would think a lot of times is it a lot of times where you're kind of going take a look at it this way you know take a look at it that way do you find yourself doing that a lot when you when you're serving a client or or is it
1: uh yes yeah and I think you do that sure you have those conversations conversations with them and you do a lot of listening mm. but you do it in the session mm. Uh, and sometimes you do it in the offers that you suggest to be made so there are times where we'll bring in an actor that is not what that breakdown has written necessarily, right. and so when we bring in a certain actor who expands that breakdown, we're saying, "Look at it this way."
0: Wow! So and then that actor right usually in comes in. Wow!
1: The, and the, so that actor comes in and has read the breakdown and has read the script and understands what we're looking for, but brings something either completely different or expands on what's already there and shows the team, you know, it could also be this, or in addition to this, it could be these other things.
0: Interesting. Well, it's fascinating how, how you have to, you know, have to have to marry what you're doing to what, what you need to serve them with and, 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 uh, with their best interests at heart. It's like a little balancing act you guys do. So I want to, I want to jump back. Let's go all the way back because what's, I find interesting about, uh, you guys, you guys and girls. I I can't. I don't know which terms to use anymore. You guys in general, casting directors. Is you come at it from so many different places? What was your road? Were you a performer as a kid? Did you want to just be in show business? Did you? Were you from the administrative side? Like, how did you get onto that road? Because it's a lot of different ways to get there.
1: Lately, I've been speaking more freely about what my initial. Um, goals were mm. and passions were. And I have come out of the closet as when I was young, I really wanted to be an actor.
0: Okay. Right.
1: Um, and it's not something that, you know, I've been casting for over 20 years and uh, it's not something that I discuss that readily, <laughs> but um, I really was very serious about it. Mm. And when I became a casting director and told um, my sort of mentor uh father figure in college, head of the acting department. Uh, he was surprised because he knew me as so driven and committed and passionate about being an actor. Mm. I found that um when I was coming up and I did some you know things as a young person and did a lot of acting in high school and in college and a little bit afterwards. I found that at that time you really had to know yourself well or just trust other people and what they thought of you. And there were like ingenues and character women.
2: Right.
1: And um, I ended up playing like old ladies and... Um, you know uh and part of it was flattering i i thought you know i got those parts because they were harder
2: mm-hmm.
1: and because i could pull it off
2: right right, right.
1: Uh, so i was flattered and it was a challenge but um i think i was not all that comfortable in my own skin yet okay and like i i knew who i was to a degree but i couldn't really see where that fit in right and so um, I learned what I love to do by not doing what I thought I wanted to do. I also have a lot of other interests sure. like, um, teaching, like, I almost feel like I could do a lot of different jobs and I have done a lot of different right. jobs in my
0: yeah, life. Yeah. I looked, I saw, um, I saw about your, your teaching credits, which I want to get into too, because yeah. you know, that's a, I love that myself. So that's a great.
1: Yeah. I mean, I've sold shoes. I've cooked in a couple restaurants. <laughs> um, I like a lot of things and so going to college where I went was also very helpful because I could do a lot of things and not, I went to Tufts university and, um, you know, I, I definitely wanted to go to some kind of conservatory environment. Um, and my parents felt, and I also felt that there were things I wanted to study. Yeah. There were things I wanted to learn like Japanese poetry and, (laughs) um, take classes that I felt like I was never going to be able to take again. Right. So I also ran track in a very serious way, wow. and okay, um, I was quite good as a sixteen-year-old, huh. and was lucky enough um, to be able to run at a Division three college. Wow. And so I ran on level at school, and if I went to a place like NYU or other places where I got in, I was not going to be able to do all those right. things. Right. I have to say that my grades at Tufts were not good. Um, I was on academic probation my freshman year. And my track coach said, you better pull those up or you can't run. Uh-huh. And I, um, you know, I didn't go to a couple classes. I, I slept in. I was a very goody two shoes kind of square person. I never drank until I was well out of college, mostly because of my running. Right. You know, I didn't want to mess with anything. Um well, screw up the um, And I was also just naturally very um not a prude but just really a good a goody you know a goody right, good right right uh that's a casting so, term
0: by the way that's a casting it's a term. what you're the that's a casting term a square square you know S- small uh, town girl next door
1: <laughs> i say i was the one taking everybody's keys okay right <laughs> and driving them home right <laughs> So that is that is a type, by okay. the way. Right. Yeah, the one well, who takes everybody's keys. Like so we can call that a new <laughs> a new a new type. All right, I feel. Like I don't you're... know what that looks like exactly, no. but it, it, you could put a picture of me in college. I in got you. Um, so, I had a lot of other interests.
0: Let me ask you this question. Uh, yeah. When you were in school and when in college, when you were, when you were learning, first of all, what was the kind of. What was the kind of acting training or drama stuff that you were doing? Were they teaching a particular kind of method, or were they just giving you kind of basic scene study stuff? Or? Uh,
1: I think at Tufts, we had a lot of sort of Stanislavski-based right. work. Um, the head of our department at that time um, was, I used to call him Foghorn Leghorn. He was <laughs> kind of like a old Southern Tennessee Williams
0: actor. Oh, excellent.
1: Um, he had been William Hurt's teacher. Oh. Um, you know, he was amazing and just right. looked like he came right out of a book.
0: You so, know, a so, play. uh, what kind of stuff was a uh, big S- g- uh,
1: sense memory? Yeah. Watch someone sit on the street and copy them, Observation, take true. lots of notes. <laughs> and, uh, and then we have acting exercises and scene work in class. No one's ever asked me that before. Like what exactly was the yeah. kind of study well, we were this, doing, yeah. but I feel like it was method.
0: Sure. Yeah. I mean, um, parts of it. Yeah and, I'm sure. yeah.
1: and then we had this other teacher who was an odd duck <laughs> who's written some books and he taught this, this method called iconicity, which was a very different kind of work. And it was not really emotionally based. It was about symbols and so you would look at the text and you would take a piece i haven't talked about this in years of like a noun and you would inhabit a a shape or a oh. an image of that wow it's almost like if you were some... to look at shakespeare and you would almost not pantomime it but right. gesture about it so okay. you look at the moon you know you would um use so... your hands and your body to inhabit
0: so he's doing some, some or a thing. Carl Young, uh, you know, on art.
1: the surface kind of work. <laughs> wow. So the two of them clearly didn't get along, and we were very um, two of us, like all of our all the performance people were very confused and either in one camp or another. Right, right. Um,
0: Did you, which, and I don't. I imagine you didn't fall into the symbol camp.
1: I did not, but I, it was it was actually a really worthwhile exercise sure. and got me to use my body, which right. I you know I wasn't all that comfortable with. I think with Shakespeare, with lots of classical work, yeah. um, it's very useful, sure, because it it allows you to sort of work from the outside in and also to choreograph in a way these images that often are lost or run over. Sure. Well, too much it's, talking.
0: It's interesting you say that because I think uh, you know. With Shakespeare, the, the the there is no subtext. The text is the text. You know, it's not like post like modern writing. It's you, if you're going to do it, you're going to do it in Shakespeare. So yeah. So that would be helpful in building from the outside in, rather than trying to find some sort of character work where you wouldn't want to do that in Shakespeare. You you just you play that text and play that meter, and the argument kind of makes the the thing happen. So if you're yeah. moving, that's interesting.
1: So you can also bring it down. You can also make it smaller. Yeah, like it doesn't have to be um the kind of Shakespeare where you're on like a soapbox and showing so much. Right, right, right. So, but it gets you to explain as you speak.
0: Right. So so you useful. didn't so you were flattered playing the uh the old lady character parts, but what were the stuff what did you want to do? Like what what did you get to do that you liked and what and what were the stuff what were you looking to do? What was the stuff that turned you on?
1: Well, I think you know, I think I was probably maybe a young leading lady was a little bit mm. in the character mode. Um, I think there are parts now, and there's um, there's point of view now that the kinds of roles that I would have played are written now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, The Old Lady was interesting, <laughs> but also um, we did Alice Childress's Trouble in Mind, mm. Uh, There was a theater, there was a student theater company. There were a lot of those because there was the main stage, which was like the big fancy productions that most of the seniors got into. And then there were lots of offshoots of of student theater organizations. And one of them was started by my colleague Robert O'Hara, who's an amazing writer and director, very well known. And he started a company called the Black Theater Company. And we did Trouble in Mind, which is about an interracial theater company putting on a play about slavery mm. and our cat itself was interracial and the stage manager's name was Eddie, but he changed it to Edie and I played that part Okay. of the white stage manager. Okay. And that's a part that like, I know, like if I said stage managed, like do it like a stage manager, <laughs> right? <laughs> someone could inhabit that, like do it like a yoga teacher. These are these labels we're right. talking about. Uh, I could probably conjure up, and it would be funny. Sure. Um, we all know lots of stage managers; they're <laughs> very organized. Yes. Um, and so I got to play that part, but she she was like a a, a mediator in some ways, but also stuck between the cast and the mm-hmm. director, um, with the play, then the play within the play, and um, so it didn't matter who I was. Right. I was just a person. Right.
0: And that's kind of where we're...
1: In a situation.
0: Right. And that's... You know? That's... I guess that's the, the hope for everything now is to kind of get to that place where it's just like, you know, this is just a person in a, in a, a unique and extraordinary situation and dramatic moment in the in the writer's uh, mind. And it can be anybody. It can be anybody in place. Yeah.
1: And we don't... You know, these these conversations that I feel like we used to have about... Well, the piece is about a family and the family needs to look alike.
2: Okay.
1: And using those things as a priority over talent and skill and sure. excitement and creativity, my family, you know, families don't really look alike. Right. Um, and also, like, the man isn't taller and the woman isn't shorter. <laughs> so I just, I'm just not interested in... In those things,
2: right, right. So
1: when people start talking height and hair color, I just don't really care.
2: Right, right, right. You know, right.
1: when you find great talented people, um, you don't sit there in the audience and go, "Well, their hair color is different <laughs> from their sibling's hair color." That's how it is in the real world. Right, right. Um, it's just focusing on the wrong things.
0: Right, and I'll tell you the one thing I'll say about this business is. In in context to the rest of the world, it, it is making the most sort of strides in in that sort of diversity direction, if you want to say that. You turn on any television commercial now, it's one after another is either interracial or, or differently thought than it used to be. So I think, and certainly every original programming from Amazon to Hulu to Netflix to whatever, the casting is is much different now than it was even five years ago or ten years ago. So... I think uh I think that that kind of seeps into the collective conscience and and then people just move on and we can, we can just do stuff. Yeah, <laughs> you, know?
1: you know. You don't have to uh, think about it Some all the people time. have said some really interesting things to me which I always hold dear because I I can suffer from getting very specific about what people want. Mm. Because that's part of my job is when someone comes to me and says I really want great actors, and I want them to be this or that. And they, I've written this thing, and I would love them to fulfill these qualities. Um, it is. I find it easier most times, and that that can change. But I've, I've often worked with very strong-willed, strong-willed directors, mm. and so it's partly what I like, and partly just what I'm used to. Right. And so I'm used to someone saying, "This is what I want." This is the the goal. And then me fulfilling that goal is very rewarding. Mm -hmm. Um, And sometimes I've gotten caught up in, well, but he's the older brother, so he needs to look a few years older. And a few directors have said to me, let's say a couple. One said to me once, the audience will believe what you tell them, which I really had trouble wrapping my head around for a while. Um, because I was like, well, that's not exactly true. Sure. Like there are times that you do sit in the audience, few, and you say, I'm confused. Right. I don't understand how that person goes together, but, you know, perhaps that's a direction of it all sure. or the lack of writing or explanation right. or you weren't paying attention. Um, and another director said once when uh, there was a, uh, you know, these infamous talkbacks that you have after... <laughs> after a play or a film, and sometimes it can get a little uh, off topic, um, an audience member was saying, well, the lightning that was happening in the scene, that would never happen. Like, that's not reality. And this director said, I don't come to the theater or see a movie to experience reality. I come to the theater to um to go on an adventure mm-hmm. and to have my mind be challenged and go on a ride. Right, right. And so I don't need everything to make sense. And by the way, the lightning bolts happen in the script at those exact moments. <laughs> right. So if you have a problem, you could take it up with the writer. <laughs> So we don't, you know, or you, or you leave a film or you leave a theater and people say, well, I knew that was coming. Right, right, right. You know, I predicted that a mile away. We're not there to solve a crossword puzzle.
2: Right, right.
1: We're there to go, to have an experience and go on a journey. And I, I don't need, you know, when I read a book, I don't need it to be right. a biography. Yeah. no. Um, and there's a, I read a lot of biographies.
0: And there's a lot of different ways to get to these, to the, to the same goal, you know, cinematographers have different ways, actors, there's, there's a zillion different ways to present yeah. the story. And that's ultimately what yeah. it's about is the story. It's
1: And that that's different from when a writer has written a piece for their community right. and has said to me, I need three actors who speak Punjabi mm. or I need, I need, um, I have written this piece for my Latin American brothers and sisters and I need those actors to be represented in that way. And so to say, well, we're not doing documentary casting. um, That's completely different from honoring the writing and honoring the experiences of those actors. And that's a discussion that I think everyone is having about um, what is enough, what is correct, what is authentic, I also saw um I was in London just a handful of times and I saw Billy Elliot there mm-hmm. on their version of Broadway um before it came here and there was a uh there were there were various billies who play the show and the billy I saw that night um was an asian actor right and not once after the the show opened and I, you see everybody standing there on stage, you don't then spend the whole time watching the show going, why is this boy? Sure. Uh, Asian. Right. Is he adopted?
0: Right, right, right. You I mean, don't, no. you
1: don't think about that. Right. You watch the show and he's a boy. Right. And so I think um, we are having good conversations about um, also about what it looks like to have maybe just one actor of color sure in a full cast of actors who are white right um and there is also a spectrum of actors within those communities of complexion sure and, absolutely um so you know there's a lot that goes into it yeah but I'm,
0: I'm curious does do you think uh, and this might be controversial is it does it go the other way like in other words um there was a time in Hollywood where you could, where every every American Indian was an Italian guy, you in the '50s, right. and and every, you know, Asian was a Charlie Chan makeup or something. I mean, you can't do that stuff anymore, right. uh, unless you're Robert Downey Jr. in 2008 or something. You know, you can't pull that stuff off. So, right. I wonder if that that same Billy Elliot metaphor doesn't apply the other way anymore. Correct, like. You, you wouldn't have unless unless it was kind of a theme thing if you did a, a reverse uh, Othello or something, you know, I can't imagine you would, you could do it that way anymore. Where, where I
1: don't think you no. would or should. No. Some of these questions come up where high schools want to do right. in the heights. Mm. And perhaps that high school has no uh, Latinx mm. young people in that high school. And so that's a discussion they're having about, is that Okay. Right. And Lynn manuel Miranda and Kira Yudis are saying it's okay or not saying it's okay. Or, um, or Stephen Adly Girgis is saying, this role was played by a black actor or a Latin actor on Broadway. But if you do it regionally, that role was not written in mm. particular for an actor coming from those cultures. So it can be many things. Interesting. It's a, it's uh, a... Rajiv Joseph also is saying, you know, with, Guards of the Taj, those two actors don't have to be South Asian. Mm. Those actors can be Arab. You know, those actors can be Persian. Mm. Um, they don't have to be two Indian actors.
0: Right. It's a, it's a very interesting water to navigate. Uh, now, sure. a, a, as, as As the arc of history bends a little bit and things change, we're at that sort of inflection point where we're trying to figure out and discover and make sure that that things are represented correctly. And, and in your job, you're kind of right at the forefront of that because what you're presenting is human stories, serving artists, and your job is to help put a face on those things. So you're right on the, the tip of the spear of that stuff, which is fascinating when you think about it. Casting yeah. directors are right on the edge of this sort of changeover in, in the world. Which is interesting. Yeah. So, so let me go back. Let's get back to your your particular journey and your particular uh, road. So, what's the first? What's your first involvement with casting? Do you become like an assistant somewhere? Do you get? Are you part of a theater company? you get on a pro? Like, how did you do that?
1: Like, even well, for me, um, I went to work for casting directors. Okay, what? So what, what was I, it? Started, I started at a talent agency. Okay. Um, when I got out of college, I had a friend from the drama department there who heard from someone else that uh, there was an assistant opening at this talent agency. And so I thought at that time, you know, I was still interested in being an actor, but was also interested in doing a variety of things. Um, It wasn't like the only thing I wanted to do. Um, I said this would be a good way for me to learn about the business. So I interviewed and I got the job and I worked for four talent agents and we had a really nice roster of actors, some of whom I knew. Um, I knew who John McMartin was from Sweet Charity and I had interned at the Berkshire Theatre Festival and he did Breaking Legs there. Um, They represented Alma Cuerva, who I had seen in Heidi Chronicles. Um, they represented Maya Dylan, um, you know, a lot of really Mm -hmm. Jamie Sheridan, a lot Mm -hmm. of really wonderful Jonathan Freeman, some like great musical folks. Uh, and I knew who who a lot of these people were, so it was exciting. Um, and I had a Rolodex and I had an electric (laughs) typewriter and my job was to type up people's resumes (laughs) and... Go pick up scripts and call the messenger to deliver scripts nice. to the actors. <laughs> leave the scripts outside the door in an envelope for them. That's great. Uh, and type up the submissions to the casting directors of those actors. Okay. And, you know, pack up the the package. Uh, I would check the fax machine when I got in <laughs> in the morning, and all of the breakdowns would come out through the fax machine <laughs> and re- replace the fax paper.
0: That's it great. It was another
1: time. Yeah, you know, okay. answer the phone. Absolutely. I actually decided to leave there because I, I I sort of, I both wanted more experience and more responsibility, but I also wasn't, I also didn't want to stay. Right. So I said, you know, what can I do that would be more than what I'm doing now? And they said, well, you can file the equity contracts in date order. So when those contracts come up, they could renew their contract with that actor. And that didn't seem like a whole lot of fun to me. So <laughs> I, like there's cool. a part of me that loves alphabetizing. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a Virgo and uh, detail oriented and I love those kinds of things to be. That's where you got so, that
0: stage manager part worked out. Really. Yeah, that's right.
1: <laughs> so, uh, I just like gave my notice mm. and started, you know, back auditioning. I worked on a, a Harry Condolian play who was a guy, um, I think he was friends with larry kramer um he was an interesting playwright uh he died of aids number of years ago but he wrote kind of Becketty kinds of pieces Mm. um and i did that on the lower east side and it was good (laughs) um but you know the auditions i went on i got some of them i just really could not support myself sure and uh i was waitressing and doing all those things Um, but I did like working, I did, I liked the work at the talent agency and I sort of was bitten by the bug, um, to work behind the scenes. Right. And I ran into a casting director at the local video store <laughs> and uh, it was not Blockbuster, but something like that. Right. And she said, Oh, Hey, what happened to you over there? We, you know, we missed talking to you. I also had had really nice conversations with casting directors on the phone when I was at the talent agency where they would call and say. I have, a, I have appointments for these actors you represent. Right. And I was out seeing theater five nights a week. And wow. I would say to them, what about this actor that we represent, that we submitted? Mm. And they'd say, well, what about them? And I'd say, well, I just saw them in this show. And if you're seeing that other actor, they're similar to them, um, but they're great. And I read the script and they'd say, oh, you read the script?
0: Wow, see, there you go.
1: And uh you know, very often, like an agency will get a will get a breakdown, but they don't have time to necessarily read every script right. that is involved with it. And so that's why those descriptions are important. But um, so that so they said, OK, well, I have one more slot. I'll, I'll give it to you. And if you're right, great. And if you're not, then you ha- still have some things to learn. And then I was like, oh, no,
0: <laughs> were you right?
1: I was right. They didn't get the job, <laughs> oh, okay. but they did very well. Okay. Um, right. And I think they got a call back. Fair enough. But um, that's how you, you know, make those relationships sure. and earn trust and. Um,
0: and that's the whole. So, bu- that's the whole business on every level, isn't it? It's all circles and circles and relationships and referrals, and it's it's kind of works yeah. that way in and so many. angles I really of it.
1: feel like it's a lot of it's based on merit and yeah. intelligence and how you, how you comport yourself do you take it seriously? Do you write everything down? Um, And I have those conversations now, which I, I do enjoy, even if they're over email Um, you know, there are agents who only submit a few people and then there are agents who submit like 35 people, (laughs) you know, like 10 people per role. Not all those 10 people could are really right for that. Um, But my MO is that like, I look at the submission and then I have a list already Mm. of people who are with that agency right. who I want to see. And so some agents have said to me, um, or I'll say to them, well, why didn't you submit on that? And they'll say, cause you're going to ask me for the people you want anyway.
0: <laughs> right.
1: And I'm like, well, you could help. And we could do this together. Like, yeah. so they, I think they were a little annoyed. So I try to take their submissions now maybe more seriously and, and really look and say, well, why did they submit those people? Right. It's not just all up to me. Right. And that's, Letting go of control yeah. and saying, let's collaborate and I should collaborate as well.
0: Right. And I think there, um, there's a, there's this sort of, I, I always felt that there's like the strata in, in the business, like any business, but there's, you know, the real thin layer of super talented people and a thin layer of really shitty people and everybody else. There's a lot of talented, hardworking. So once you get into that middle gray, it's like, do you want to work with them? Do you want to be on the set for 12 hours with this person? Right. Because unless I'm going to get that real thin strata where I'm willing to put up with some shit, everybody else is in the same kind of area for the most part. So it's work ethic, it's it's responsibility, it's intelligence, it's that those kinds of things are what yeah. build those relationships, I think, uh, ultimately. Yeah. Uh, you know, if
1: casting directors, if we do our job, that session's going to be good. Mm. And the people we're choosing from at the end, they're all great. you know, let's say your callbacks, like the top three to five people, they're all terrific. And so then what is it about?
2: Right.
1: And it's about those things. It's about, do I want to spend a month with that person? Does that person have creativity and intelligence and insight and thought? Am I going to have to tell them where to stand and what to do every second? Or are they self-sufficient? Um, also, are they malleable? Are they game? Are they willing to, you know, when we've gotten a few takes, can the director say to that person, You got anything you want to try that's like valid and right. cool that might work? And they want a person to say, Yeah, sure. Absolutely. And show them something. Sure. Uh, I think in acting school, you know, you're often taught you're an empty vessel to be filled up with whatever that director wants. Wow. And so, I never got that one. That's a new one. I mean, not you, but some (laughs) actors will come out with, you know, all of their instincts beaten out of them. And they're like, I'm really talented and skilled and smart, but I will do whatever you want me to do. Right. And they're not used to having the impetus or the permission or the dignity to say, Here's what
0: I got. Do you find that more in uh, in film and television than, say, the theater? I, I'm sorry, I reversed that. Do you find that more in, in the theater than film and television? Because the film and television directors typically come from a uh, a visual, an NYU background or a filmmaking background. They don't speak the actor language all the same way that the theater people do. So their casting is like, I just hope this guy knows what he's doing. Like, he should know He should know how to do this. I don't know what to tell him. With the theater people, you know, that's where you're filling an empty vessel. So I wonder if, if there's a difference that you see between film and TV and theater.
1: I think so. I think the film and TV directors I've worked with, well, TV and film are, are a little bit different from each other, but the sure. TV directors love really good actors who are confident and self-sufficient right. because there's no time yeah, to it. have a process right. <laughs> or to try lots of different things. Yep. And so maybe those TV actors, maybe they have at times a little bit of a narrow, um, their first take is a little bit uh, of a narrow point of view
2: mm.
1: because they know it's kind of got to be in the pocket right? and they can't take too many chances. Right. Unless there's time to do that, right. so they get into a groove. They have this delivery system, and they audition. And you can tell it's it's slick, it's polished, it's thought out, and you know it could be at, at its worst formulaic. Not dangerous. but it works. Yeah,
0: it works. It's not, but there's no. It works. Yeah, right.
1: And that's because they understand what television requires of them. Right. The film actors are able to take more time. Are able to. Um, experiment a little bit more. And those film directors tend to want that. Yeah. A little more of a free-flowing, creative person right. who can also deliver without too much uh, process. Right. right. Um, and then the theater actors, yeah, I think the theater actors have it the worst in terms of, um, you know, I think now we're talking a little bit about actors owning the room or Mm. taking their own time to show people what they've got and perhaps the acting training schools maybe are following suit in not um putting out a bunch of robots
0: or well-trained robots let me stop you right there describe that owning the room because this is the second casting person who said that that term to me what what does that mean to you? you i
1: find that term sometimes to be a little bit rude because I've never been one to to want anybody to feel like it wasn't their time mm. and they're just a cog in a wheel or one of 80 people coming in that day. <laughs> but I think it's a term that actors understand that, you know what, it's it's five minutes, but it's my five minutes. Right. And I'm going to come in and not in a, in a rude or aggressive way, but be like, you will hear me <laughs> and I'm going to do something that I've been working on right. and memorizing and not spending time with my partner or my family or my baby
2: right, right. for
1: this audition.
2: Right.
1: Um, or got a coach or learned this song, or took time, you know, lost money <laughs> right. working on this. Right. And you will not be on your phone and you will not be eating your sandwich. And mm. well I always thought you know, you know respect my this is my this is my room for yeah. these five minutes.
0: And I, th- I think what helps that along as you get a little older as an actor is you realize that uh, because if you've done enough shows for, you know, three people or, you know, uh, or where the guys on the phone in the audience on, in your show that you're actually in or whatever, you realize that th- you're there to serve the story as an actor. You're there to do a job. So you look at the auditions as you get older, you start to realize uh, that the auditions are just another show. And it's like, I'm going to do the best show for my five minutes. And, you know, right. whoever's watching, if you get what I got, that's great. And if you didn't, yeah. it didn't. And, and and you get satisfaction out of that as an actor. And I think, to sure. me, that's what owning the room always meant. Um, and, uh, and I think theater actors probably... Uh, probably just training wise probably are better at that. So did you start in the theater as a casting person like did you start yeah. casting theater? That's now that's interesting cuz what is the theater casting pro is it different than other kinds or is it is it like
1: I think it is. I th-
0: Like did you cast for seasons or did you cast for shows or
1: Well there's there's like a process that happens time-wise with theater where um, at the beginning of the season, you're supposed to do an equity open call, and so you have those open calls. And as you go through the season, theaters generally want you to, you know, they've all, they've also got a lot of other things going on. So with the with the shows that you need to cast, they also maybe have shows they're bringing in, or mm. some music happening on their stage, or educational programs. So they sort of dictate the timeline. Right. So let's say. You know, there's a casting director I know who has several regional theaters. I don't know how she juggles it, but, you know, um, she's got various shows at various times through the year working, mm. uh, casting. So the directors are usually different. So you have, let's say, you have a theater a season, and then you have maybe three different directors you're working with, or two and three different writers. Wow. Wow. So like anything, it's just more. Yeah. Um, I know when I worked with Actors Theatre of Louisville from like 93 to 2000, we used to joke, they were like my period, you know, the the two (laughs) weeks before were horrible and then they came and then it was over and then they they came every month. (laughs) So that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, you just keep track of who's doing what. So, so it's just,
0: it's time management and, and juggling yeah. and, and schedule and just knowing, keeping your mind compartmentalized.
1: Yeah. I and think. you know, in the fall you're going to be casting for their Christmas show.
0: Right, right, right. Uh,
1: you know, there are things that come through every season. Right. Um, but every theater does it differently.
0: And what about the casting process, especially in the theater, um, Do you like, is there like, because it's, it's the lead up, it's the, it's the conversations with theater companies or directors or whoever. um, And then it's the, all the work that goes into it, the, 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 the organizational stuff, and then the actual session. What's the part along the way that you're like, I like, I like doing this. This is fun. You know,
1: I like the, and I find that the theater work and independent film is similar. Mm Mm-hmm. Um you're really wanting to honor this piece that someone has written. And that is really at the forefront of what you're doing, is um, what is written here, and how can we elevate it, expand it, honor it. Um, and so those conversations running up to the auditions, and the auditions are kind of the end the end of our process,. Right. Um, all that prep, reading it reading again talking to the director talking to the writer what did you mean when you wrote this what does this character represent you know that's all that's the, fun. yeah i guess dramaturgical creative discussions where like me splitting hairs about you know uh it's also it's us selling the project to agents and actors right and if I don't understand it, how am I going to sell it?
2: Right, right.
1: Well, there's this play and this guy comes and he does this and he says that. And it's kind of like a family drama. You know, and the actors are like, okay. Like, this is not why I went to acting school. <laughs> you know, they they also want to work on something great oh. and interesting and original and fun and and well done. Right. So, but there's also like a lot of development that may be happening with the film or with the play where Mm. that writing is also being worked on. Right. And so we as casting directors, as a representative of the project, have to also fill in those gaps or explain those gaps and be able to say to an actor or an agent, "Um, this is a new play by an extremely talented writer and it's being worked on or we're just, we're doing an early workshop right? or we're doing a workshop with, with the hopes of a production or right. we're going into production and there's going to be a lot of changes in the material.
0: Well, yeah. And what's interesting, uh, what I'm learning even more now talking to you guys is that the, I mean, what I didn't realize is that, you know, really the, the, the weight of the thing, the offer is coming from you. You're the one who's selling it to the, you know, to the actor or oh, the actor's representative, whoever, who's getting that, to get them on board, and particularly on these small projects, like the ones I've done my whole life and the ones you've worked on, it's like, there's no money, how do I get this name, how do I get... I mean, that's... and that falls a lot on your shoulders. How does that... how do you play those angles sometimes? Do you have to kind of go get this one attached to get that one? To I mean, is it all kind of... Well,
1: like, yeah, I mean, as long as we understand what the what the hook is or what the pitch is. Um, If I understand why I'm doing something, I can very easily tell an actor or an agent or anybody I need to. Um, And so uh, there are also pieces that, that don't read well, but that are great Mm. or that maybe I don't understand upon first reading. And so it's those conversations with those filmmakers or with those directors or writers that helps us, to sell it right and if you have a certain reputation in the business actors will trust that you're working on something good or you won't be working on it right and there are times sometimes where i'm working on something maybe uh how do i describe it a little bit (laughs) like simple (laughs) (laughs) or commercial in some way that's not original like Mm -hmm. we've read thousands of things by this in this with this kind of a plot sure and so actors have said to me, why are you doing this? As I have said to directors, they're directors who've recommended me as a casting director for a project they're directing. And I've called them and said, why are you directing this? And they'll say, for the money. And I'll say, got it, for. So, right. um, and so at that point, I'll just say to agents and actors, if you don't want to do it, don't come in for me. There's no hidden
2: right.
1: You know, brilliance under here. Right. If you want to do a movie, I like the director a lot. He's going to take care of you, right. but it is what it is. Right. Here's
0: the, say. here's the, here's the number. You want
1: to make some money, <laughs> Right. go for it. If you don't like it, feel free to pass. Okay. So I often have to have those, sure. those chats, but there are times where you're working on something great, but it's hard to get that across Yeah. or it's a very heady kind of a
0: right. right.
1: And so there's a lot of conversations where an agent will call and go, what is this? <laughs> I don't, I don't, I read it. I don't get it. Who wrote this? You know? Charlie, uh,
0: Charlie Kaufman write this? What the hell is going on? They'll
1: say, Judy, you usually work on good things. Tell me what it, What this is, right. you know.
0: So do, uh, you, do you find it difficult when there's, when the money's not there? You know, when, when the always. project is like. It's like, gee, if we could only do this, but we blah, blah, blah. I mean, then it's a tough. But In a
1: way, it's I'm unfazed by that. Okay. Like Kamala Harris said recently, I eat no for breakfast. (laughs) Um, I loved when she said that because I feel the same way. People say no to me all day long. Right. Whether I'm working on a major television show or a big movie. No, no, I don't. I'm not interested. I want to pass. I don't like it. I want to be on vacation i mean you get the feeling sometimes nobody wants to work that's right and so i don't care right. i'll call i there are some there have been some times where i've been like really and then i'll say why don't you like this this is perfect for you and, well i don't know and then i'm like well okay that's fine with me like yeah. because it's never right we look, I can know an actor for many years and I have my opinions about what they're good at because I've seen it. Right. Um and sometimes it's just how they digest something. Mm. And that's also really exciting. Yeah. That we disagree about it.
0: Right, sure. Yeah. And
1: you know there are times where we're having a session and you bring in somebody who you think is going to nail it and they they don't. And then the person who you were like, yeah, I'll give them a shot. Looks at you. They're (laughs) amazing, and you realize they just needed the thing Mm. that resonated with them. Right. For me to be able to see what maybe these two other colleagues of mine see, right. And they just need that right combination of things. And so it's, I think it's wonderful that we all have our opinions and all right so so
0: uh so what resonates with you what like aside from those gigs where it's like well i'm doing it for the money you know which we all got to (laughs) do what's the uh what's the one the the genres that you're like when you get that script and it's in that particular pocket for you where you're like oh this i this i dig i dig this kind of stuff what is that
1: you know there's this triangle that people talk about a lot of artists talk about how you have to have like there's money on one side there's the people involved on the other side the material on the other side you have to have two out of three. Um, I usually have those. The money is not always there, but um, I used to get a little bit sucked in by the people, mm. and so if the material was a little bit not great or not really worked out, if I met the people involved and I liked them, mm. I would do it,
2: mm.
1: and then maybe it wouldn't end up being great for anyone. Right. And I'm I would look at that and go. Hmm. you know, you should have maybe right. put more value on the actual piece instead of getting sort of seduced by, well, I love these guys, right? <laughs> They're great. They're really fun to be around, right. you know? Um, so for me, I, at this point in my career, um, I say no very seldom. And I feel like I'm very lucky that things find me that are really perfect for me. And and what
0: what is that? What is that? And that
1: that is, it's usually pretty original. Hmm. Like it's not something that I've read a hundred times. Even if it's like a family story, like there's a movie I did uh, within the last few years. That's about the second family of a father. And when he gets older and they start to lose him, what that's like for them.
2: Mm.
1: And maybe in the past I would read about the first family and the father would leave and start a new family. And part of what I loved about it um, was that I had not seen that perspective before. And some of the actors who I brought in, they were saying, oh yeah, all these women auditioning for this part, it's the old dad role where they're young women and their father right. is right. much older and they're losing their father when they are quite young mm. and it's because they're the second family mm-hmm. and that was just something very right. interesting to that i hadn't read a, read a script about that right. and what that's like so
0: different perspectives um, different yeah you know yes. point, points of view that you're sure know, yeah
1: It's like doing a movie about the South for me, having grown up in the tri-state area. It's like a foreign country for me. Right. I agree. Where the way people speak and the way people deal with strangers and deal with their friends and their family, there's so many things. I just, nuances that are new to me that it's exciting.
0: Right. So the learning process, learning something you just did not know about. Interesting. Or
1: play in the 30s about something or about a city in the U.S. that I thought I knew a lot about. Right. So I learn a lot while I work. And so when I read something, I try to, I'm excited when I read a story that I haven't read before. Right. Um, I also really like good writing. Mm. Um, and I like smart and fun directors mm. who appreciate really good talent. Right. Uh, and are also like pretty open and that they just, they like good actors and they want to serve the piece.
0: Have you um, seen? Have you seen over the course? Because you've been doing this probably what twenty something years, twenty five years, yeah. or something like that. Have you seen
1: since ninety three? Ninety
0: three, so. yes, whatever that is. I can't do math in my head. So yeah, so over the course, has that changed? Has has ha, the, like the the types of stories, the quality of the writing, is what comes across? you obviously as you go further and become a more established person to where you are now. I'm sure you get different things than you did earlier on. But have you seen? Have you always had the chance to get those things that make you learn or, or I uh, have. Yeah. Okay.
1: I started off um when I worked for other casting people. Some of them were, you know, the typical musicals. Um mm. and even then there were some musicals I hadn't either seen or listened to the whole score before. <laughs> so that's you know, new experiences are always fun when you're especially when you're young. Right. Um but some of the plays I worked on were like Jose Rivera's early plays. Um, people knew him at the time from the motorcycle diaries. Um, but there were like plays at Louisville by Naomi Wallace and Tony Kushner. And, um, I worked with Marcia Norman on a new play of hers. It it was Humana festival. It's all these amazing playwrights.
2: Um,
1: and then, you know, I worked with Robert Woodruff for a while on some Edward Bond plays and some classical stuff and, I was very lucky in that I got to work on a lot of really interesting stuff.
2: Right. Right.
1: So, and then, you know, I worked on some commercials in, in there, um, <laughs> totally, that were totally amusing. different. World, yeah. and also a little bit of a learning curve too, about how you do that. If you come from theater,
0: this is the craft part of this conversation that I, that I want to get into. So how do you, what, what is the difference? How do you do that commercial work? Why is it different? Well,
1: I've learned doing commercials from a couple, but maybe one specific casting director. And in a way, it's even more, I mean, it's it's freeing in that you can see lots of people because the auditions are not, that in depth and the client is not there, Right. <laughs> the director, the writer, no one's there, but you and the actors. Right. And so the day is pretty fun, but it's very packed. Mm. And so the idea is to see as, I don't know why this is, but it's to see as many people as you can during the, you know, during the course of a day. Right. And sometimes it goes on for weeks.
0: And are these are, you know, we're not talking about like the bite and smile, kind of, I mean, where there's actual text. Sometimes they are, but (laughs) there's
1: usually copy. And you know what it is? It's like, you have people in for theater or for an independent film. And then you see those same people at the commercial (laughs) audition.
0: That's got to be great.
1: And they come in and they're like, hi, I have my grasshopper outfit on, (laughs) you know, and you just have to laugh because it's not, as they say, you know, it's not rocket science. (laughs) Um, But there is an art to it, like seeing those people who like, let's say you get a little bit of this uh, fangirl thing happening when people who you've seen on Broadway or you've seen in a major television show who will never come in for you for a theater, (laughs) come in for like some commercial for bananas (laughs) and you're like, oh, my God, that's so and so. They're sitting in the waiting room, you know, (laughs) and, and usually that casting director you're working for is like, yeah, I mean, it's cause they're going to make like uh, (laughs) $300,000 on this bananas commercial, (laughs) That's right. (laughs) but you know that that actor probably thinks the banana commercial is silly too. Sure. So the, the stakes are low except for the money that you can make, but they're going on lots of these. So it's not like this is the only commercial they're going on. But you get a little like, and then you get also like, well, why, (laughs) why will they come in for bananas and they won't come in for like, I know, but none of us signed up for that.
0: Yeah, right. Exactly.
1: And so you feel a little like, that's cheap. Like, that's cheap. That's like sellout, you know, like, or like an act, there's an actor who I knew, who I loved, who did a lot of uh, Broadway and a lot of movies and at some point also some people just say no more theater i'm only doing voiceover or something Mm. and i'm like aren't you bored (laughs) you know like i right but they have a life
0: yeah there's a lot of like they have
1: kids and grandkids and right they take up the fiddle and they're happy (laughs) right it's nothing to look down on but i think you know when you're starstruck and you're young and you see How could you went to Juilliard and now you're doing voiceover? You know, it's there's just something like what a terrible end, you know, that must be. And for them, they've done so much that what what's left to do. And and in a way, it's a painless way to stay in, in the business. And you know what? Some of it is fun.
0: Yeah, and I and and you gotta you gotta put food on the table, and you get and there's all food, yeah. you different ways to do that stuff. So it,
1: uh, you shoot for a couple of days, and then that. you get you're, these you're residuals, done. and you it's a good, can buy an apartment and then start a theater company. It's
0: a good gig, ga- exactly. So
1: it's a great means to an end. And I say to many actors, like especially theater actors who want to do film and television, right. I say, I know you don't want to sell products, but commercials are a great boot camp to be in front of the camera, right. to have like a two to three minute audition, mm. sometimes even working in a group mm. and just, you get in for that casting office, you do your thing and you leave. Right. And um, it's a great way to just throw everything away and like
0: right.
1: go back to who you really are and kind of have fun and do something right. silly.
0: Well, I have a question for you. Cause it, it, yeah. it's something you said struck, there for a second was voice casting. Is that different for you? I mean, that's a whole other skill set. It's a very specific, uh, uh, niche in the in show business. So how do you do of that? Of
1: course I have done quite a bit of it. Oh, yeah. Didn't and you do, didn't I I do read, it? Is...
0: Didn't I read you did like an animated uh, thing too? Yeah.
1: I, I ended up casting for Simon and Schuster audiobooks. Right. from 96 to 2002 Um, I also worked for sci-fi.com when, Hmm. when like networks or cable sites were starting to do original content. So like AOL would have its own little shows they'd put on or like ABC.com. and they were trying to compete with YouTube and other, you know, online programming. And so sci-fi channel had sci-fi.com forward slash seeing ear theater. I hope I can say that. That's okay. Um, but that's what it was. Right. Um, and so it was original scripts written by a guy who, you know, knew how to write plays and and content. And they would have original music, great composers that he worked with. Um, and I would get them a celebrity to be in the piece. And it usually had a sci-fi bent. Mm. So it was like Tim Curry, Campbell Scott, right. Luke Perry, and Gina Gershon did one of them.
0: So at that at, um, at that stage, are you just casting a celebrity just for a celebrity? Not or just. Is, or is there, not just. Is, there a, is there a voice thing you're looking for where you're like... Well,
1: to... yeah. With, with the sci-fi.com and with Simon & Schuster, it was often well-known people. But especially with Simon & Schuster, they, they often needed a specific dialect okay. um, or a skill set for certain books. Like James Lee Burke was always Southern. OK. And so um, they didn't always need a celebrity, but they needed somebody who was versatile enough to not do voices, but to tell a story and have a subtle way of delivering different registers and dialects.
0: And how did you Um, how did you sift through that? as opposed to like a casting session where people are in the, was it sending tapes? Were you listening? So that
1: was really fun because it was a departure from theater and film where I would read. And I, I have been um, not at this moment, but a very, very voracious reader, Mm. you know, just reading my whole young life, just reading books, like stay up all night, read a book. Mm. Um, So I would read a manuscript of a book and then the, script of it which would be would be called the abridged
2: mm-hmm.
1: script and then the unabridged and usually the, the author would record the unabridged and it was many many hours long mm-hmm. and some people would buy that and then the abridged version which you would you know put the, the cd or whatever in your car mm-hmm. right. back then and you would listen to a six-hour program or a four-hour program or smaller uh, for example, one of the things we did was a collection of short stories by Ethan Cohen called Gates of Eden. And so I read them. I made a list of all the Cohen Brothers actors. Um, <laughs> I made lists of people who should be Cohen Brothers actors. Right. And we um would watch TV, get you know sort of a sample of their voice to listen to. Uh-huh. And um I worked with a really lovely team at Simon Schuster in the audio department who had a real, you know, I'd be like, well, what about this actor? And they're like, well, they have a really high voice. And I'm like, who cares? And they're like, no, this is what we do. This is like right. how you do voice work. Right. So um, I got to learn that, right. like what the real differences are and why those things are important Right. Um, by working with them. And there were times where we were working on a variety of books and they would say, well, for a romance, we need sort of someone who can do like a dreamy piece. <laughs> right. um, and they were pretty high end. So that it wasn't like a cheesy right. kind of a thing. And actors who were um, maybe needing something more intellectual to do. Sure. They loved it because wow. they got to work on a book Yeah. Um, and maybe even a book about something really special or some great writing like Pulitzer yeah, prize right, winning right. stuff. Um, And so the process there was it was making lists of celebrities, but also making lists of regular actors in New York and presenting their demo reels and say, you know, if we don't get this celebrity, I think these three people would be great as backups. Um, Of course, their marketing department wanted a celebrity somewhere in the variety of what we were doing, but it didn't always have to be. And then there were people who would read the credits before and after the recording (laughs) and they were, and they were paid well. And so I'd get them in sometimes to read the credits. And then the producers at Simon and Schuster said, they have a great voice. And I was like, I know. (laughs) And so then we'd have them read a book that perhaps, you know, it was like maybe a Clancy or something that wasn't needing like Clancy was the star, not the recorder. So um
0: well that's that's fascinating yeah so that it was le- fun
1: that, that, and i've done animation as well
0: so that leads me into another question which is um and i'm not going to keep you too much longer but the, the, oh, the question is um how do you how do you because you have this catalog sort of built up in your mind like you said i uh, i i immediately had a list of Cohen uh, brothers actors and people who should be yeah. Cohen brothers actors that yeah. you pull from where Do you find your talent? Like, do you, did you, were you going to the theater all the time? Were you doing the showcase thing? Were you uh, like, how did you build up that? And do you still do it? So two questions, how did you do that? And do do you still do it now? And is it tougher now, especially now the way we're, you know, locked down and everything you can't get out and do the same thing? Like, how do you find the people?
1: When I started like at the agency, I was at the theater five nights a week. Mm. I was in my 20s. Wow. I was single. You know, I was happy to work <laughs> uh, 945 to 7 and then go to the theater and wow. then go home. Wow. But um, as you get a little bit older and you start getting a little burnt out by that, yeah, you stop going as much. But you go to film festivals. You, I have always watched a lot of television.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I feel like you know, it's my job. Sure. Um, so I don't watch shows necessarily that I love, but I watch them to laugh and see actors that I know on the show, <laughs> <laughs> but also to get to know new people. Right. Um, I had a few different, I had a little bit of, a, of an adventure where I felt at one point that I needed to see things with actors that no one knew. Like I would get an invitation as a casting director, you know, people would send you invitations. Uh, And you'd go to like theater festivals or film festivals, or you'd go and see one show that someone was in or a showcase. And I would go if I knew no one in the cast and didn't know the director or the writer. Hmm. And I did that for a while because I was also reacting to maybe some other casting directors saying these are those older, frustrated director, casting directors that <laughs> we talk about. Um, they would say, well, if they haven't been on Broadway and they haven't done this or that, then I don't need to know them. Wow. And I felt the total opposite where my fetish was to be in a session with a director that works all the time and have them say to me, where, where did, did you, you find, find this person? Right. I've been casting theater or I've been casting TV or commercials all over for years. I have never met this person mm. and I love them. And I'd be like, that's, I'm done. Like that's, that's, awesome. that's made my year. That's awesome. And so it was sort of, I sort of made it my mission to like find the undiscovered talent, Right. right. but What happens after a while of that is, you're in social circles with people or you're on the phone with agents, and they'll say, did you see such and such show? Mm. And I'll say, no, I mean, why should I go to Broadway? I don't need to see them. If they're already on Broadway, then everybody knows them. And after a while, I started thinking, you know what? If you're in this industry, you should know what's happening where, everywhere not just these like off the beaten track (laughs) places, because a lot of times you go to one of those shows and you maybe come away with one or two actors who are really up to the level where they're ready to work. Right. And you spend a lot of time just being kind of frustrated or hot, (laughs) um, or getting home really late and get kind of burnt out. And so, you know, especially when you don't have the money to like see all the Broadway stuff. Right. But, um, I then started diversifying my portfolio a little bit, so that I would consistently. go. I, I understood why my colleagues, some of them said, you know, I don't really go to that theater anymore because whenever I go and see things there, I come away with very little. Right. You know, or they'll say some of us will say, I'd rather go and watch mo- watch scenes or monologues for. 40 minutes and find really good talent right. and sit in a theater and find one person.
0: Right. And, yeah. and New York has that sort of unique, you know, pay for play showcase kind of thing that we've talked about on this show before the actor's connection the one yes. where, you know, yes. it's a little more to the Curated. point. Yeah. Here you go. This is who's here. I get my five minutes to do whatever. And right. that sort of made sense to me. And then if you want after that, as a casting director, well, let's see what else. So now in this world we're in now, even pre pandemic, are you getting a lot more of this kind of stuff where it's like somebody sending you a, a, uh, they're real or, or, or agent says, take a look at, you know, this online. Like, do you have to do it that way now? Are you kind of locked in?
1: The house? Uh I'm a little bit locked in the house. Yeah.
0: It's tough to Although get I off.
1: have had projects over the pandemic mm. and I have met new actors through those projects over okay. the pandemic. All right. So the good thing about the self-tape situation is that we can have people put themselves on tape and they're not it doesn't it doesn't cost us anything. Right. <laughs> like in terms of time. Right. Yeah. And yes, I'll watch every single tape submission that comes in though you know people will submit i'll request self-tapes a lot of them don't respond to my request to my invitation to self-tape i'm not sure why hmm. but they just don't and so the people who send their tapes in are often people i've never met before right and so i get to know their work through their taped auditions
0: right yeah, it's
1: and interesting. so i've cast a lot of people over the last year who i had not known right um and so in a way like if some casting directors are reticent to like bring a new person in with the director sitting there, what if they're not good? What if, what if the director yells at me because <laughs> they're not good this way? We, it's almost all pre-screened. Right. Right. Is we there, see you, we see them first. Is there and, a, yeah.
0: Is there a, is that a big part of the gig? Cause when I was talking, I think it was Liz that there's, I mean, it's sort of a risk-averse business, show business. It gets a lot of credit for being out on the edge and cutting edge, but it's really not. It's more risk. Everybody's afraid of losing their job. So does that find its way to you guys, too, where you're like, I can't really take a risk here? Or, you know, is that, does that fall on your desk the same as it would, you know, a, a director and uh, uh, agent?
1: Um, I think it depends on what entity you're working with. Okay. Um, there are directors i worked with all across television, theater, film. There's a, a well-known, uh, television director I worked with who, he was also used to the casting process he experienced at his network where like, let's say there was a small role, like the receptionist on a TV show. Right. And she's got like three lines. It's like, you have a call. They're on line four. Right. Uh, and I said to this director, let's not let's not waste time. Here are some actors who taped for a bigger part who are terrific, who we didn't hire, who'd be great for this receptionist role. Right. Who would love to play the receptionist. Sure. And he said, Well, where am I like he wanted to see 25 auditions for the receptionist specifically okay because i think that was the process he was used to at the network mm. where that casting office devoted all their time to just throwing the, the quantity right, right at him and i was like why would we do that <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> here are you know five people who are fantastic who can do so much more who right. you would love and so some directors really want to see people mm and other directors will say just send me the top 10 right um i usually will send who i think really rose to the occasion and then i will also provide them the second the second third choice and i choice. would think i
0: would think when and they can
1: watch on their own time
0: sure and i would think when you're doing this because you guys really are you are advocates you are the you know yeah. you're you're out there kind of fighting for your your thought here i would think when you do it there's there's the part of you that's like, there's a few names highlighted on that list where you're like, I hope, I hope they come through. I hope they come through. Oh, that'll be great. You know, like do you yeah. get that kind of spark every now and then where you're doing? That? Yes.
1: Yes. And at a higher level, you're saying, I hope the people who I think are going to nail this are going to do beautifully. Mm. And then sometimes you have like what I described earlier, where someone else who you thought was going to be just sort of middle of the road ends up being brilliant. Right. So that happens. But um, there are some directors who like, we, I would say, I speak for everybody. We want our clients to love our session. Mm. We want them to love everyone in the session. <laughs> we want them to love us. Right. And we sometimes like, what if they hate everybody? <laughs> it's a question that is, that is not unrealistic. Absolutely. I mean, there are some directors. I hate all of these people. Oh, no. Uh, there are some famous situations where that <laughs> has happened. And you know, our responses are like, oh, I'm sorry. I brought in all the untalented. I brought in the, the wrong pile. It's like, oh, what's oh, I picked pr- that. Oh, well, I'm sorry. But <laughs> but when you're in a high pressure situation, let's say you're casting for HBO for the first time.
0: Right.
1: You know, you you don't want people to not get it. Yes. It's, it's always interesting and it's never what you predicted, which is also part of why I love it.
0: Right. Yeah. And, and for you, as you described for yourself personally, you do like the collaborative, you like the people, like if you, if the team is good and you're all kind of invested in what you're trying to accomplish with this piece and everybody's like on board with it, that's the fun for you. It's like all the other stuff, you know, you know, is ancillary to that. It's, it's, yeah.
1: I I do like the the sort of through line of it. And so there are times that are hard for us as casting directors where we work really hard and intensely with this team for a while and then it gets cast and then they go and make the thing. Mm. And then we show up at opening night or we show (laughs) up at the screening and people are like, who are you? Right, right, right. And you know, we always say we're the first people they call and the first people they forget.
0: <laughs> wow, that's you know, that's true. It's like you guys oh. are on board right from inception a lot of times, yeah. even before, and then it's...
1: once they have the actors, they're like, See you later. So long, but what you would know. be an
0: example of you've cast the thing, they've gone into production, they're doing it. What would be an example why they would need you, but like where they call you back and like, Oh, we got to bring her back for like, what is uh. that? Well, that sounds through good.
1: Through the yeah, through the shoot or through rehearsal, someone broke their foot. Ah, uh, okay. Someone's parent was diagnosed with cancer. Oh my god. And they yeah, need right. to go help them right. with treatment. Um, someone got a bigger job. Mm. Or someone's a drunk. <laughs> or um very often on shoot and this isn't this is just because there's a lot of Eyes to dot and t's to cross we realize we need someone to play this small part
2: mm. tomorrow ah.
1: and it we thought we had it mm. like in the local talent pool but could do you have anybody that could do that or i've realized also body doubles like things get moved around ah, right. um, with production with a shoot and they'll say oh my gosh we need some and i'm like I need the height, the weight, right. you know, like who? I don't even know who this actor is. Right. Like sometimes it's a local actor that they use that I didn't cast. Right. Ah. And I have to sort of, you know, jump and do that. They might just think, well, they're done right. because they cast it.
0: Right, right.
1: Um, well, I th- and th- we don't get paid extra if we step in and help. This her. is
0: really revelatory for me because, uh, I mean, from the get go, being an advocate for the actor, dealing with getting the actor or their representation on board with a project, uh, presenting different points of view to a director uh, or a writer, director, or whatever, um, all these different ways of doing th- th- your job that you're involved in doing. Um, and then, you know, sort of nurse mating along when problems, I mean, it's, there's, there's so much more involved in your job than I think people realize. It's it's a uh, it's been yeah. it's been very revealing uh, piece of uh, uh, conversation here because you just don't realize all the casting director does. So I, we I'm, like to
1: call ourselves part of the design team. Like we <laughs> okay. like we like that. Yeah. Um, you know your set designer does everything with the set. The costume designer. You know I would think the costume designer would be called if maybe someone put on weight during the production or you know needed an adjustment you wouldn't just do it without talking to them sure so we um we don't want to be forgotten no you know we like to be included and it's it is nice too when that team um really welcomes you and your opinions and invites you to the maybe the first read-through either virtually or in person yeah because they they say we wouldn't have these actors we didn't know these actors until you presented them. Right. And if we could have gotten them ourselves, we would not have hired you. Right. And it's just acknowledging that we're a part of the group. Absolutely. And not just like a service.
0: Right. No, as much as the cinematographer or the production designer, or the ca- you, you, that's why they call you casting directors. That, there's a big problem yeah, with, big problem I with know. that title, but I, I, I'm I, a
1: casting person. I'm on they board. Like to call, I'm say on that. board. Do you have a casting person? Right. Right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I'm on board with casting director. All right. So I'm just going to yeah. wrap it up here last couple of minutes. Sure, sure. So um What's uh, some of the more recent uh, stuff you're working on that that's exciting? You know, if anything, is there anything going on? Um, I saw you did the was the Amazon thing recent the the big dogs thing the yeah that was a that looks kind of cool that looks like a New York kind of fun uh, thing I've not seen that
1: was a New York kind of fun thing and uh, I can't there's some things I can't announce Absolutely. yet that's but cool. right. um we shot that show without a platform so oh, okay that show was shot on the New media agreement um and it was like several episodes i would call it nine but i think it's eight mm-hmm. uh with some great directors and a terrific writer that was adapted from some books and season two is being developed cool. now so right. so there's that um so i'm excited about that but that probably won't shoot until the pandemic is really well and over right. And I think that's smart. Um, I have a feature that I've been working on that was delayed because of the pandemic. That um, is about a, a time period and about uh, about music in the South. And I've got some great actors attached. Um, and so the postponement of that uh, of that film has allowed us to. Get a lot of really amazing
0: talent on board. That's, see, there you go.
1: So instead of just having one great talented actor, right. we've got like three.
0: That's awesome. So, all right. So, last little thing um, is this, this is one question I didn't ask uh, my other two casting directors that I got to talk oh, to. Oh, good. Which is, um, is it a, is it a, what do you think you need to have to do this job? Like, in other words, you know, if I'm talking to somebody who wants to be a carpenter or an actor or a brain surgeon, it's like, well, you really should have this sort of passion for this kind of a mind or what, what is it? If somebody was like, that sounds like fun. I would like to do that. I I never wanted to be in front of the camera, but I'd love to do this. This sounds like a lot. What do you need to be and have to do this job?
1: (laughs) I think you need to love actors. I think you have to have a real appreciation for actors and their talent. Um, there is room for everybody. You know, there are lots of different casting directors who have different philosophies and ways of doing things. There are. I remember seeing like casting directors who didn't know a lot of actors, but they would release a breakdown and set up the people who looked good. Right. I think if you know the places that people work that do good work, um, like any reading any resume in any business sector, you know where the places are that are going to put out you know or do quality work, and you're also going to look at their training and teachers they've worked with, and be able to pick up the phone and say you know how were they to work with, or if you know that they've trained with that person, you know they're going to learn what they need to do right um so i think it's just a real appreciation for um i you know i wasn't able to fulfill my my dream at the (laughs) time of being an actor and honestly like seeing good actors audition is just as rewarding if not more
0: Mm. so uh all right so this is really my last question so (laughs) so do you ever want to act again do you ever get the bug where you're like you know come on just one scene one one show
1: I mean so three look, I, I've run. had a reader an audition like <laughs> get sick or had to go on an audition and I was the reader here and there and that's fun sure um look if someone I, I do know somebody who like wrote the role of a casting director <laughs> into their script and and it's based on me you know ah, if pretty. it were like playing myself okay. or if if it was um the right thing where they were just like come on and do this right. like
0: well i'll tell you what judy as we wrap up next time i i uh, i get something <laughs> going i'll cast you and i promise it won't be the stage manager or the or the old lady, <laughs> or the old lady. <laughs> right that's i promise we'll, we'll make we'll unless you i'm an old lady
1: at that point right yeah
0: in which case we'll make you an ingenue and I'd really put
1: that t- that yeah, girl next door. <laughs> the girl next door. No, what
0: did we? What was the? What was the term? We we came up with one. It was like the uh, the square. The, the oh, oh the, I the person who
1: takes all their keys. the Pearson person who takes everyone's keys. keys. Right, that's right. How you can, annoying!
0: The, you oh. can be the person who takes everyone's keys. All right, okay. it'll be fine. I'll, but I'll take but that. we'll build the whole thing around that character. Yes. Yeah, because I own.
1: I have to own the room.
0: Because you always see the story is about the drunk guy at the party. You never see the person who takes their keys. So let's no, we'll go that that's way. That's me. That's you. All right. Well, Judy, thank you so much. This was.
2: Uh, it's my This bunker. was fantastic.
0: I learned a lot, and um, and like I said, uh, uh, you know, hopefully we'll stay in touch, and I'll say hi to to Brett for you. When that, yeah, I and
1: know. I hope you liked me as much as Brett and Liz.
0: Oh, are you kidding? Absolutely. <laughs>
1: Because <laughs> now we're all going to, you know, call each other and be like, I I... I liked me best. <laughs> "You liked me best.
0: No, you guys, you guys are, it's a, it's neck and neck right down the wire. So, but thanks. It's I, so
1: nice to meet you. I, it's a,
0: really a pleasure.
1: Absolutely. You're a gem. As oh, good. Say. I'll take it. I'll take and if you ever want to talk again, uh, feel yeah. free. And I look forward to casting you in something at some point. I don't think we really know each other either. So. No, well, in
0: the meantime, just uh, stay safe and uh, yeah, you stay too. healthy. and So
1: let's stay in touch. Absolutely. It's, it's a pleasure to meet you, and thanks for everything.
0: Thanks for this. I really, really appreciate it. Yeah, All you right.
1: too.